you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up, everybody? DJ here from Move the Sticks, along with Bucky Brooks, our podcast. We look at the NFL through a player personnel perspective, looking at teams, looking at matchups, looking at the NFL draft. You can catch us on Move the Sticks, NFL.com slash podcast, as well as iTunes. Yes, hi and hello football fans and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program presented as always by McDonald's. Much to get to and we are chock full of talent here in Studio 66. Daniel Jeremiah, Mark Sessler, Patrick Claybon. We'll say a proper hello to all of them. But first, like I say, it is the hurry up Andy Reid style, which means maybe we won't keep a, a rigorous pace here. But you know what? Move the sticks. Daniel Jeremiah is with us for just a couple of minutes. So let's jump right into it. His former coach. No slight to Andy Reid there uh, when you were when you were on the Eagles staff there. I start with you, DJ. Yep. Michael Bennett and Martellus Bennett did a compelling interview. And during that interview, they said, Jay Cutler, the worst quarterback ever. Who is, in fact, the worst quarterback in the NFL? Who's likely to be a starter in just about uh, four weeks from now? So the worst starter for this upcoming season. That's right. I would, I would probably lean toward whoever emerges in San Francisco right now, just in terms of Colin Kaepernick, where his confidence was when we last saw him, and then what, you know, Blaine Gabbert, I know he's better last year. I can't buy in on that. So I would probably say San Francisco, although Cleveland has a compelling argument there, Mr. Sessler. Sessler, how say Yeah, you? I mean, I, I go RG3 because this is not 2012, and we're nearly half a decade from the season where he electrified the league. We've seen nothing from this guy. So no matter how much faith the coaching staff has in him, what's on the field? Claybon. It's either Trevor Simeon or Mark Sanchez. I, I think you mentioned those guys. I've seen them at least do something uh, recently. I've, I've seen RG3 do things uh, 
And that's comparable to the window that I've seen Mark Sanchez actually. Speaking of comp, is there a comp in NFL history that you can summon? A guy who played in two straight title games like Mark Sanchez did, but he also had the butt fumble, and now Trevor Simeon. I mean, is there a bigger slap in the face that he's not anointed, clear-cut, over Trevor Simeon? How about that same team when they went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman? And I remember thinking, like, everybody's That's like, Rex Grossman's going to be – I mean, he's a Super Bowl quarterback. He's a <laughs> – you can win with Rex Grossman. He might be great, but you can win with him. To all of a sudden, then he was like sexy Rexy, and he was the big – it was kind of a punchline. Yeah. That's a great call. High pick. Yeah, I was going to go Dieter Brock getting to the NFC title game once with the Rams in uh, in 85. But, yeah, that's a better one. Rex Grossman, high round – I mean, you know, high pick in the first round and everything. I remember, I remember when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and he was coming out, and I put a huge grade on him. And – and the last line is at that time, in that time period, I said, at worst, guys, at worst, we've got Rex Grossman. <laughs> <laughs> at worst. Next question, the Olympics are upon us, much to the chagrin of people concerned about human health because of uh, some of the things that we're hearing out of there. Nevertheless, this seems to be shaping up as not exactly the brightest uh, moment in Olympic history. What is the greatest moment in Olympic history that you recall watching, Mark said? Well, for me, I go back to the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. There was a mix of the dream team arriving for the first time ever that had a, a certain flair to it and I always like gymnastics because I never watched that sport and both men's and women's teams were interesting I don't think I've cared about the Olympics since about then so mm. that's part of the equation yeah the Play ni- 92 is when I became aware but when Michael Johnson in 96 runs that 19.32 in the gold shoes that meant something to me and, and I started my track career shortly after that and that's that's really a moment that jumps out at me especially with the Olympics going on just two hours away from me. I always call. I always say Eric Dickerson is uh, football's answer to Michael Johnson or vice versa. That upright style made it look so easy and smooth. Well, it's interesting. Those are the two that I was debating between. And the reason I would say the basketball team, the dream team, is because I can remember when that came out. If you guys remember, they were selling the dream team jerseys. And I wanted it was like a footlocker or wherever they were selling those things. I wanted one so bad, but every time I would go, the only ones were available were like Pat Ewing. I'm like, I don't want a Pat Ewing. I want like the Michael Jordan one or the Barkley one or the Larry Bird. Yeah, there was not. There was the the selection. All the good guys were gone. But that was that was pre-online shopping. It was so. It was kind of you know, it was an arrogant period. It was just like. We knew we were better than all these countries, and we're just not sending our top guys. And this is what. Happens. Well, it was a comprehensive beatdown. I thought it lost interest quickly because no one could touch these guys. And now, do I like a basketball game that's decided by the end of the first quarter? No. Well, you know what? Maybe we need to add uh, football then to the Olympic. Because if you if you like those kind of blowouts, then what would America do if if the NBA stars could whip anybody the the, the number two best? Whatever they beat them by fifty points. What would if you put the U.S. football players against? What would even be the next best nation? So who would who would Moritz Boringer be in this in this scenario? Then he's like Tony Kukoc. Like, <laughs> that's right. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's that's even complicated. I'll say this. You know what the mistake was legitimately by the basketball community, the American basketball community. Okay. Ninety two forever. I, I remember 88 better than you. I'm older than you, and I remember that well and thought John Thompson failed by not just feeding Danny Manning and Charles Smith of Pitt and bit beaten up on the other teams. Instead, he let Charles Smith of Georgetown take weird runners in the lane. They lost. This uh, begat the 92 team. Fine. Let's show the world what it looks like when we put our actual best players out there. Net, then for all of time, that should have been the end of ever using NBA guys. It should have been, oh, oh, you think you're good, Argentina? 
I remind you of what happened in night. <laughs> do we need to do it again? No. We'll right. beat you with our JV 90% of the time. But now you can't take it. Now the U.S. has actually lost an Olympic competition, and now you can never have that one back. It's a shame. Right. It was an act of vengeance, and then you need to settle down. That's right. Right. Don't don't make – do we need to do it again? Do we? Hey, world, do you want us to do it again? We would have had that forever. All right. DJ. But by the way, the correct answer is the 1980 U.S. hockey team. There's no – Close yeah, but I was, I was, I, was, I, know, I wasn't I watching that. I, I, I I'm just saying for yeah. me. I, okay. I remember. <laughs> yes. DJ, because we're doing a a proper crossover here, we have around the NFL's Mark Sessler. We have DDFP here. I was on the Move the Sticks podcast earlier today. We're doing uh, mix and match in here. Let's do a segment swap. DJ's hits and misses. All right, let's go. DJ's oh. hits and misses. You even brought your own sound effects. Scribble. I, like it. I, f- I forgot we had that. All right, so this nice. is a this is a two brief reports. These are uh, stuff I did for online, so it's not a full scouting report like I did when I was scouting, but this will give you my description of a player, kind of where I had him ranked. I'll give you a, a clue here. Both these players I'm going to give you. The first, the one I missed, and the one I got right, 2013. So it's a quick turnaround to have a verdict, but I feel pretty confident that one was wrong and one was right. You guys ready to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, this is the wrong one. This is a long, lean athlete with incredible upside as a pass rusher. His college scheme called for him to drop and cover often, but what he did get pass rush opportunities displayed an explosive get-off and the ability to wrap the edge. I made him – he was my fifth overall player in the 2013 draft. Oh, well, that one's pretty easy, I think, right? Maybe. Well, I if you know the answer, you don't get to say. you got to give her – I, I know. I'm just I'm, – I'm even going to guess, but Barkevius Mingo? No, but a true Browns fan would jump to that conclusion. Wrong. I think it's wrong draft. Uh, 2013 was his draft, I believe, but – he was the fifth overall pick, but Play I am incorrect. He, you were correct. Marquise Mingo was my twenty-second player. Okay, second player. So this is your fifth player. He was in my fifth-rated player. And this does he wrong. share a surname wrong. with the greatest Super athlete wrong. of all time? Yes, thought so. Oh, <laughs> I got you. This is Deion Jordan. Yes, yeah. correct. There you go. Dave was on it. Dave was on it right away. Well, you couldn't predict all the extracurriculars either. So. That you know that's one of the things on this side of it that that gets you almost every single time. Yeah. I didn't know all that. Is that where I Ryan mean, Johnny Tate- Manziel? There was no yeah. evidence whatsoever that I could have known that potentially there could be not any there. None. None. Um, uh, is Ryan Shazier headed down? I mean, he's obviously shown when he's healthy that he is a better football player than Deion Jordan. But is he too slight for the NFL because he's dominant when he's out there? I don't think so. Uh, he's. He's kind of what you want your linebackers to look like. Look great down the stretch today, last today's year. NFL. Oh my gosh! Yeah. He's he is the Jenga piece for the Steelers mm. in 2016, being a Super Bowl contender at least. All right, go. All ahead. right, same draft. This one again. This is easy. 2013. This is a tight end. Excellent speed, strong hands, huge catching radius. Uh, needs to improve as a blocker, but he should be able to make an immediate impact. High volume pass catcher. I think this is Tyler Eifert. Correct. Wow, very good. On the trigger there. Very nicely done, boys. By you, you got the report right. Injury prone. Real quick, before you walk out the door, because you scouted this guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, at the end of the first four games, what is the Patriots record, and what sort of stat line does Jimmy Garoppolo have? Worst case scenario, two and two. Worst case. I'm leaning more towards three and one. Hmm. They're going to design that thing around him. Ball's going to get out of his hand really quick. That's what his his when you studied him in college. I gave him like a late first, early second round grade. So I, you know, you stack him up with some of these quarterbacks over the last few years. He's pretty favorable in his skill set. Quick release, quick mind, um, all that quick stuff. They're going to get the ball out of his hand. They're going to use those tight ends. They're going to move him around a little bit. 
They are game plan specific. That's the Patriots' calling card, and they're going to know how to use this kid. They're, they're going to be fine. I, trust me. I, spend your time worrying about other things. Don't worry about the Patriots. Yeah, they have three home games in their first four, and they talked about both Brady and Garoppolo throwing endlessly to the tight ends in camp so far. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. And the other thing is their defense does not get a lot of credit, and everybody's, oh, Chandler Jones is gone. Look at some of the pieces they have there. That's an athletic bunch. We have much to kibitz about, but we're going to let Daniel Jeremiah go. He is, after all, a multimedia sensation. Make sure you check out the new episode knows, of Move the Sticks. He knows where I'm going right now. I'm going to steal Dan Hansen's secret hair oh, stash. To find out the story behind that and a great deal else, make sure you listen to the new episode of Move the Sticks. I was in there. It was gangbusters. There he goes. Daniel Jeremiah, Move the Sticks. Find him on NFL Network all over the place. Kibitzin about this, that, and the other as we approach football season. Speaking of which, start the show! Yes, hi and hello once again, and welcome to the DDFP, presented as always by McDonald's. Go get you some Chicken McNuggets. Oh, my favorite growing up. 100% white meat chicken, no artificial preservatives, flavors, or colors. I like that because we don't want anything artificial here. You know the rules, Sessler. You're a longtime visitor to Studio 66. Long before the rise of the around the NFL phenomenon, you know that the one rule here in Studio 66, no jive. No jive, Pure. but chicken nuggets, you know, in excess. Yes. If Thank there you. was perhaps a jive sauce, it would probably be delicious. I don't know. Do they still have the sweet and sour? They do. They do. I, That's to, my, I, I don't know how you get rid of that at McDonald's. Oh, that, that, that was my favorite. Anyway, Mark Sessler of Around the NFL, what a pleasure. And Patrick Claibon of NFL Network. You've seen him all over your TV screen of late. Kibitson, you know, basically playing quarterback, if you will, as uh, as our reporters at NFL Network and beyond go all over Football America covering the hot stories in training camp. We're trying to cover some of them here, but real quick, a muzzle tub to Mark Sessler because a short-term dream came true on the most recent Around the NFL podcast. You met Lil Debbie the rapper. I don't know who the. I didn't even know who this person was until you brought her into my life. I think most people did not. <laughs> I mean, that's the you know judging by the reaction on Twitter. I think she has a lot of new fans after her, her appearance on the show. A largely um, unknown quantity outside of the West Coast and especially the Oakland region. But yeah, I went to I you know Wes and I Chris Wesling ran into one of her songs on a weekend trip uh, a couple years ago. Played it endlessly, and she was sort of in our mind since then. And we found out she was playing at the Troubadour, which is up in West Hollywood, uh, last Thursday. And I went. And initially, I thought I wouldn't be able to. So Chris put out a tweet saying, like, oh, Mark Sessler's very crestfallen. He can't attend the Little Debbie show. And I thought, well, that's the end of that because I had family commitments. And then she tweeted back something that I don't know is fit for the Damashek show. But it kind of got the whole engine moving again. And I thought, got to get to this thing. Went to the show. And then after she basically tweeted at us and said, let's get on this podcast. So it happened. It's funny. It sort of harkens for me that the sort of the relationship between McDonald's and Damashek. I mean, both powerful Very brands. Very parallel. Right, yeah. You know, both powerful <laughs> brands made even stronger for the bond now. Maybe some all of a sudden around the NFL listeners are going to be some tweens. Yeah, I mean, if you see the, the picture here, she also showed up in a Khalil Mack jersey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have thought about, we're tossing this around, making her a weekly or monthly or periodic contributor if the Raiders uh, rise the way people think they will. 
Oh, I like that idea. I like where your head's at on that. Patrick Claybon, of course, uh, tell us the uh, the Twitter handle. I, I find one of the more uh, compelling Twitter feeds out there. It's it's really it's a bad Twitter feed. I disagree I, with you. You're thoughtful in a distinct way. I appreciate it with it, that everybody that, that puts up with my volume tweeting at times. Uh, but it's just it's at my name at Patrick. I call you and Chris Wessling have been dubbed by me and Dan Hanzus the uh, the Om Takesman because what they do, <laughs> Sessler, is if you haven't observed this, is they don't necessarily give their opinion on a subject. They wait for others to weigh in on a subject. No. Then they evaluate the quality of that opinion. No. Well, I, I sit three feet from Wes and about eight feet from uh, Patrick, so for me to weigh in on this uh, would be dangerous. The, the, the difference is, um, you know, a lot of times people cry out like, oh, the media, and there's this vague criticism of like 100,000 people who are just doing their jobs. What I like to do is if I have a problem with something, I'll address the particular thing and the person, and they might get their feelings hurt if some if people are joking at their expense. But then don't write trash things. <laughs> write it's simple th- with him. I like that. Simple, That's, yeah. I like that as the motto for the Om Takesman. Yeah. Don't write trash things. Yeah, nobody what is the Twitter him. handle? <laughs> At Patrick Claybon. At Patrick Claybon. Track him down. So we have much to kibitz about still. Want to dig in on the AFC North. Mark Sessler, of course, is a, uh, a Browns fan. I am a Steelers fan. Let's figure out what's going on with this division a little bit if we can. And also, you hear Derek Fisher is considering a comeback? He hasn't played. Ba- he was bad at basketball when we last saw him playing basketball. Now he wants to come back after coaching for a little bit. Weird. We want to talk about that, how it affects uh, pro football, which NFL coaches might be able to make that jump uh, more easily than Derek Fisher. Talk fruit. And, of course, I assume somewhere along the way we will get a surprise game show. Okay. Always compelling with that, so stick around for that. And we have to get to the bottom of the Black Tie Film Festival, which is uh, which is upcoming uh, in the next week or so. But in the meantime, I want to cover – I know we've talked about it a lot here on the podcast uh, this past week, but I want to kibitz about the best triplets. Now, of course, you remember Michael Irvin – Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman, really the tip of the spear of those great 90s, early 90s Cowboys teams. And a couple of years ago, I decided let's evaluate top to bottom who has the best and worst triplets in the NFL currently. And so I put out my new list there. Spoiler alert, go check it out at NFL.com. I encourage you, as I wrote on Twitter, go for the completely subjective opinions that I have laid out, but stay for the comment <laughs> section because it really is a treat. In fact, I want to go through those while we get, uh, while we pull up some reader responses to my list there, mm. did anything jump out at you? Did you, did uh, anything seem wrong to you? Wildly inaccurate. Um, Cowboys. Number one, people very upset. Zeke Elliott's never taken a snap. How can you have, him as a part of the top trio because I'm I'm speculating that he's going to be dominant behind what is considered the best line in the NFL. That's how I can put him up there. I mean, you you're talking week one, and it would be Pittsburgh right. in my book if if they had Le'Veon Bell. I have no problem with the Cowboys being number one because you have to project what happens with a running back behind that offensive line. And we saw Darren McFadden run for 1,000-plus last year. That's another thing to go with the Cowboys on is even if it's not Ezekiel Elliott, Darren McFadden still had success. And so That's in Tony and Dez are, are playing together. You, you got to go with them. You know, I referred to uh, having been on Move the Sticks earlier today, and that was a question that uh, that I asked DJ, obviously scouting Zeke Elliott coming out of Ohio State. 
The only question about him in my book is Zeke Elliott is, is he good in pass pro? Because he'll have to get yanked off the field for third down situations at least. And he said he's as good as he's seen in recent vintage of guys coming out. Yeah, the one thing about him, they said, you know, with the rookies, that's exactly where they don't play is on third down passing downs. But with him, that was not an issue to very much the point that he was the smartest running back in the draft. And at camp, it sounds like he's doing great. Greg Rosenthal was just a Cowboys camp, and he looked fantastic when he was there. It's funny, too, because uh, a lot of the charges from the the comments section are that uh, I'm clearly a Cowboys homie. Yeah, if we know anything about you, Dave, it's that's the, the you thing. With passionate me. love for the Dallas. Hey, you Cowboys. know what? You can't if, win with these lists. If loving, <laughs> if loving the Dallas Cowboys is wrong, I don't want to be right. America's team, baby. <laughs> I love the I love the love the Cowboys now. Hey, Jeff Pride writes uh, that uh, Matt Ryan is even is even if not better than Romo Freeman lead the league in rushing TDs and is better than an unproven rookie Elliott, and Julio is better than Des Bryant, we should be way higher on this list. Yes, I've heard a fair amount of Falcons need to be higher up there. The knock on them is Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan at this point. He's not elevating beyond that. I would have more confidence in Jay Cutler or Matt Stafford at this point than Matt Ryan play, showing us something that we haven't already seen. I think if you're looking forward, you have to say that Year two in Kyle Shanahan's offense, there's going to be a boost from Matt Ryan. I think he had games where you know he was he was in the same offense his whole career, and then bang, he's in a new one, and it's not the easiest one to learn. And you do have Julio Jones. Kyle Shanahan always typically leans on one running back. It's not really a, it, it's been unusual that there's been a committee when Cleveland and then last year in Atlanta. So I think that is a triplet group that probably will be thought of higher a month or two from now. I think when we when we talked about. Rodgers and Favre, we talked about quarterbacks making plays and that jumping out at you. It's tough to really think of a Matt Ryan signature play other than like a 40-yard out that he threw his rookie year that, that had people talking. And I think of Matt Ryan highlights, they're all just Julio highlights. And it's tough for me to, to it, say it, It's as I Matt say, Ryan it's his great, greatest Romo. virtue is getting to throw to one of the great yeah. talents we've seen in the last quarter century as a pass catcher. Devonta Freeman was very good last year when he was out there, but there is buzz, and you know, whether or not it's a smokescreen time will tell. But I'm also incorporating the fact that we're hearing a lot of Ke- Tevin Coleman talk and 50-50 split and touches between those two, so that's going to not Coleman needs away. to show that because he he did not have a great rookie season, and Kyle Shanahan turned Matt Schaub into a pro bowler, so I, I think he can do a lot with Matt Ryan. I agree it's not a moments quarterback where it's a top 20 Matt Ryan flamethrowers, but there's a lot going on with that offense. I think they've addressed the offensive line a little bit as well. Mohamed Sanu is a good second receiver, so look, I mean, this is not going to be a bad attack. Let's get to another one here. This one's Raider-based. I hope that you guys pulled uh, behind the glass some ones that really get nasty because that's the real pleasure for me are the accusations. There are a lot of, uh, I don't know how you have a job and how did you get your job because you don't deserve your job. And, and one guy said, I should be mopping floors, which is a very specific thing. Like, you shouldn't be writing about NFL stuff, you should be mopping floors. It's a weird, like, what did you get from my list that indicates that that should be my profession? And what's he well, saying about people that do mop floors? Well, I, mean, I don't know. Right, I don't know if it's a side shot towards that industry. Yeah. Oh, I took it as sort of like a compliment. Like, you chose the wrong career path. Like, like you, you would, would be, be great based on what I'm seeing, you would be really good at, at mopping. I don't know what He's the, trying to help you. I got one one on a, on a random, very small, like, transaction-type notice where I really put no opinion. It said... 
you are dumb and your children are dumb. It's like, <laughs> how, I, how does this person even know that I have children? I do, but he's I still don't. He's in the transitive property. You know, I don't find them as Nature, he's dumb. really, what he's trying to spur is a nature versus nurture argument. I thought it was mean. I guess you, you could know. see it that way. You don't have the same sunny disposition <laughs> that I have. What else do we have here? What, give me give me another one here on the Raiders. This one says, this one's from Derek Bear and Brayton, which is a cool name. I'm biased, but if Lacey dominates, the Packers could easily be the top spot. The fact that Packers fans are cross with me for having them at number two with Jordy Nelson coming <laughs> off knee injury and Eddie Lacey coming off being fat is they're this that they're that they're that this isn't satisfactory for them to start at number two. It's not even about the RB, yeah. WRQB. It's about the O line. Aaron is the best QB in the league, anyways. Steelers could be the top spot. The Cowboys can't even field a team. All their players have drama. What does that have to do with anything? People get so (laughs) hung up on – drama literally has no impact on the game. It's something that people talk about and get angry about on Facebook comments. It's a compelling argument. But there's there's nothing there. I mean, doesn't he have a point with the Packers? He he had a point until he said that drama had anything to do. Well, with okay, for that that he, I think he I like his name. He started just started to wander at some point. He needed to cut the comment a little. Just you know, let's edit the comments some, sir. But I would say that the Packers, Eddie Lacy, he's P ninety X'd up. We've seen the pictures. Yeah, his career's on the line in Green Bay. That typically motiv- motivates a player, and if that doesn't happen. You know, there's a lot to say about Eddie Lacy. Nelson's knee. Now they're talking about he may not be around till Week One. That's a bit of a question, but if we're talking about kind of the first month of the season, once they get warmed up, this offense could be fantastic. What of my uh, a recurring theme among many in the comment section on this one that this makes this one of my five or ten favorite comment sections of something I've written at NFL ever <laughs> is the fact that a lot of Steelers fans have risen up to tell me that I'm biased against the Steelers and that clearly I'm a Cowboys homer and why can't I see how good the Steel? I mean. You know, did you even look? I I don't expect you to know that I'm a Steelers fan, but if you look at all at Dave, if you're like, who wrote this thing, (laughs) it it will become fairly evident I'm a Steelers fan within about uh, seven seconds, I would think. These charges are great, but people very upset. To explain myself again, it's based on the first four weeks. Le'Veon Bell's not out there. D'Angelo Williams is very good, maybe the the best backup, or at least he was last year, one of the great free agent acquisitions in recent me- memory, really. I don't think that's hyperbole to say, but all right, he's not Le'Veon Bell, and so it knocked him down to three. Settle down, everybody. I think if we know anything about 2016 that it's taught us is that angry people on the Internet really don't do a lot of research <laughs> about what they're angry about. Even within the article itself, it's just – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and where am I? I'm at eight. I'm mad. I'm typing the nut. It's not. There's context. There's comments. You're, the bulk of your work has been ignored, I would imagine. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Your work has drama, Dave. All my toil. Speaking of drama or melodrama, real quick, uh, we, we really did miss on doing a full-on Bachelorette uh, finale recap there. But what do you make of Jordan Rogers has now actually gotten a job at the SEC network off of this Bachelorette thing, which cynics would say was the, his motivation for doing the show at all. What about leveraging your siblings' fame for your own treasure? 
Well, I, I'm not going to comment on the Bachelorette. I didn't. I haven't seen an episode. You don't have to have seen it. You know that that's what happened. Yeah. You know, Aaron didn't no, like it. Uh, the dynamic and his also still did it. Well, yeah, you're, there is clearly. We all know at this point that there's some sort of nettlesome situation going on between the brothers and the family and the parents. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, who's been in the limelight for you know ever at this point, and he's never brought it up, and he's never made a point to use his position to knock everyone else in the family down. Not saying Jordan did that, but he turned it into this issue that is going on for weeks and weeks. Ridiculous. And leveraging it into a job, that just feels what all reality television is. It, you know, all these people get picked up by an agent Leveraged a week later. Leveraged it into something a little bit uh, weirder well, even a than marriage, a job. He, he's, he's supposed <laughs> to be getting married, too, to someone. So, I don't know. Good luck to him. I think in, in a lot of aspects, ABC probably had a pretty stern requirement that his brother be a topic of conversation. And probably the decision that came to, to Jordan's mind was, do I want to forego this opportunity for the sake of Aaron? And, and when somebody mentioned that to me, I thought about it a little differently because it's very everything was very Aaron. Like even his mom and dad and his, bro, his other brother were getting at Aaron on the show, and it seemed like the person that was doing it the least was Jordan. Doesn't it feel – well, I don't know, but he, but his existence on the show is owed to his brother, and he knows that, obviously. He wasn't – well, chosen at random, and it, 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 it seems like I, th- there's something real seedy about it, and the fact that you know Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to talk about it has shut down any attempt to bring it up as a conversation, makes it feel taboo and like it's a dead end and, and he's doing the right thing by shutting it down, but I find it so salacious and gross that, th- that this is what his brother's out there doing, is leveraging his brother to – get his own success? I don't know. Well, I mean, but Jordan did play quarterback at Vanderbilt. All right. He, he did have, a, you know, he's he's not purely just Aaron's brother. Well, and then you have the NFL's Twitter feed congratulating Jordan and what? what I thought jo- that was jo- very jo- weird, too. JoJo's the jo- person's jo- name? That's right. I mean, I, that to me seemed like a bit of a clip, clickbait operation, but... Um, all right, let's go now to what do we want to do behind the glass? Do you want me to go AFC North here, or could we do the uh, coach who could still play? I well, like. I, I think just because we have Sessler in the house, we we've got to talk AFC North. All right, uh, then I, I'll lay it out uh, just uh, from this perspective. In the AFC North, there are three teams realistically that in 2016 have a shot at winning this thing. No offense to your Browns, but that's, you know, they're in transition. That's reality. And, you know, in broad strokes, I think you would say that the Browns have kind of had the best offseason because there hasn't been that much negativity since free agency and some guys just left and, you know, the buzz was that uh, no one wants to sign with this franchise. But since then... Things seem headed in the right direction. Hugh Jackson, people are very excited about him, perhaps overly so, as we discuss on Move the, Move the Sticks too. But fine, the three front runners, Bengals, Steelers, and Ravens, have all had some real negative marks against them. You know, Levy and Bell get shut down. Tyler Eifert, who knows what's going on with him. The Bengals don't seem to have a clear-cut number two wide receiver behind A.J. Green. The Ravens shaky on both sides of the line for the first time, I think, in forever. Who are their pass catchers exactly? How do we see this thing playing out? Sessler. I look at Pittsburgh as the team that if everything comes together and they don't have the injuries they had last year, they're such a resilient team that 
you know, they proved and they could beat the Bengals really anytime, anywhere. I, I think that will happen. And I think the Steelers, to me, are a Super Bowl contender. The Bengals are extremely talented that have to learn to get over the hump in the playoffs. I put them number two. The Ravens, to me, could be anywhere from 5-11 and 11 to 10-6. and six, But I, I, I see the, the offseason plagues seem to affect, to me, the Ravens the most. I, the, the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers have been a problem for the Browns for one reason. If you l- want to rank the AFC in terms of consistent franchises that know how to weather storms, the rest of the AFC North outside of Cleveland have been doing that for, a, for five years to a decade, depending on which franchise you look at. Yeah, you know, uh, pending injuries, obviously, over these next four weeks. I, as it stands right now, I think I'm with you. I think I go Pittsburgh over the Bengals. Like by a hair, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think the Ravens have the chance, like you say. I don't see Pittsburgh or Cincy falling to some, you know, really crummy double-digit loss season. But the Ravens might if, if things break wrong for them, Claybon. And, and looking at what Pittsburgh and Cincinnati did last year, you have to wonder which team has suffered the most over the offseason. It's got to be the Bengals, right? I mean, that's a that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, the Steelers lose Martavis Bryant, and right. they lose Sanquez Golson, who's never been on the field for them, but they had high hopes for him this year in the secondary. Yeah. And people are saying, I mean, you have to quantify every camp story with this is a camp story, but you you hear things about Sammy Coates and what and what he's been able to do. And so you feel you feel good about things in Pittsburgh, but Cincinnati they, they lose Hugh, most new is gone. I think that's it's- potentially big. And you know, uh, Jeremiah said uh, Sammy Coates don't buy the hype. He's got a a uh, incurable case of the dropsies, and right. so he'll make splash plays, but he'll also break your heart with the drops. Hmm. But then again, you know what? Martavis Bryant did a little yeah, bit of that. You you like a guy that can get open? You still have to try to cover him. Yeah. Don't just say, hope he drops the ball. Yeah, I think the Ravens are in the worst shape is the bottom line, and I think they, they might, you know, do just marginally better than they did a year ago. I'm not inspired by their backfield. Kenneth Dixon is intriguing, but, you know, James uh, Justin Forsett certainly is not that. But the same Terrence West is the best-looking running back in camp right now. Terrence West, a year ago, got bounced out of Cleveland because he was a whack job, frankly. Like, he was a locker room cancer thinking that he was, you know, the best player on the team as a second-year, you know, mid-level running back. So there must have been a massive attitude adjustment there. But still, if Terrence West is your best running back, that's the biggest argument for the Ravens to not be third place, but maybe even fourth if everything, if all the wheels fell off. What do I don't you think say, that's going to happen. What do you say to my charges against the, the new head coach in Cleveland that where there are two big indicators that he is operating on hubris, with spelled with an E, hubris, okay. get it? Love it. Yes, I, yeah, that's good. He drafts Cody Kessler, who no one on the face of the earth was talking about in the <laughs> okay. third round, speculates he might be ready to go. He might just be our starter at some point in the offseason. Oh, we could throw him in there. And the enthusiasm for RG3, which precious few people, I, you know, I, I, I'm a snob with pedigree. You know, I, I give me, I, you know, the Tom Brady's and Antonio Browns of the world, notwithstanding, I, I'm a pedigree guy. And there's a reason why this guy was drafted high. And, um, you know, RG3, it wasn't smoke and mirrors that he had that rookie season in. Circumstantial, though, because of the wheels, and now they've they've uh, denigrated you with, uh, or, or diminished a little bit. But RG three at this in twenty sixteen, this level of excitement over Josh McCown. Well, I think Hugh Jackson has put on a team that really has a lot of pressure to begin with. He's put a lot of pressure on himself because you're saying I have so much confidence in myself that I'm going to turn RG three into a starter. 
and I'm going to probably name him the starter in the next 72 hours. Where Josh McCown, if you want to look at what happened in the last year, because there's no point in looking at 2012, Josh McCown was the best quarterback on this roster right now. That, that's the best, most reliable guy they have. And Hugh Jackson is saying, I trust my abilities enough to coach these guys up. So it's undue pressure because I would like to see all these guys go through the preseason and let's really see that RG3 is making the earth shake, as, as, as Hugh Jackson said. I, now that said... They've had Pat Shermer as their coach. They've had Mike Pettin. They've had a whole bunch of other guys. I trust Hugh Jackson more than anyone they've had since 1999 to follow through on his own beliefs. But he's put himself under the gun because if RG3 crumbles in two preseason games, what do you do? Well, I mean, that's right. It's self-fulfillment prophecy to Maybe. declare that this is what RG3, he's our starter and pretend that there was a competition before he even played a preseason game. I think Hugh has been through enough where he can say things and be honest. I think the issue here is how we perceive the starter question and how coaches perceive it. Because sometimes I feel like it's there's two different things. When it's like, are you going to name a starter right now? It's like, uh, it, it's August. Yeah, uh, it's Robert. It, it, it seems like. I guess we're naming a starter for our first preseason game. Yeah. is different than this guy is our starter. Yeah, this guy, this is our guy. Well, that's but he's he's not dec- he's not deciphered between the two. No, I yeah, and right. that's the thing. I mean, in San Francisco, it's a very clear two-person battle, and, and he said the preseason games are going to mean so much. We haven't heard from Hugh that the preseason games will decide who the quarterback is. It's we're going to go in with our starter, and then, yeah, I, you know, any team's going to change if someone else, Russell Wilson, like rises up and you've got Cody Kessler, not the guy I think it's going to happen with that blows the house up. But I'll say this about the AFC North, and I think a central figure, and this will sound outrageous perhaps for a guy who hasn't been on the field a ton, but that's why I brought up Ryan Shazier with uh, Jeremiah is, you know, to me, he is the Jenga piece. I talk about the Jenga. If you take the wrong guy out, the the whole thing can implode on you. And Shazier isn't that, you know, like Antonio Brown is. But if the Steelers are to be a Super Bowl team, I think Shazier is the Jenga piece for that. I think that if he can be as dynamic and, and, and difference-making as he was in the second half of 2015 and into the postseason – I think the Steelers then, because there is going to be a regression. People are are fooling themselves if you think Martavis Bryant will be replaced by by Sammy Coates and everything will be fine, and D'Angelo equals Le'Veon Bell, so don't worry about it. The defense must take another step, and they're already down a cornerback. Not as significant, though, because they're, they're quietly in Pittsburgh, have put together the pieces – for a really, really dominant front seven, but they, you know, obviously health is a factor with all 32 teams. But Shazier is such a special player with that speed, and he's hybrid like he's the linebacker version of Honey Badger. He cuts a an oddball physical figure out there. Yeah, I mean, him and Timmons were the heart of that defense at the, at the last half of the year, and in the playoffs, I mean, Pittsburgh with with all sorts of players gone and everything going on with that team. That defense started to become the story, and they nobody have, talked about it. No, right? they. I mean, they have issues with their secondary. That's been the case, it seems like, since we were in twelfth grade at this point. But I mean, they, the offense is going to be able to win shootouts, and if if they can play the way they did on defense down the stretch, if they can pick up from that point, it nearly never carries over. Pittsburgh has that added factor. 
All right. So final final word. You're going Steeler Sessler to win the division. I picked them every year, the like six years in a row, and I'm doing it again. Well, that's the Greg Rosenthal approach to in a close division go with the team that has the best quarterback. That's the Mark Sessler approach. Is that right? Well, I'm just saying it's my approach. I don't. You invented that. I didn't invent it, and we may have similar approaches. It's actually I, named the Mark Sessler approach. It's, all right, it's I misspoke there, Claybon. I'm not going to go against uh, Little Debbie's best friend, his or Little <laughs> Lil Debbie's muse. I can't wait to Google Mark. That's what you have to do. That'll be the high water mark of your career, Sessler, is when Lil Debbie invokes your name. On well, the next move is writing a rap song for her. Oh, you have to pen it. Oh, that's what yeah. I love that. And it's going to take some time. I've never done anything close to that. Priorities, friend. I'm going to type in Mark Sessler L in Google, and if Lil Debbie, Debbie comes up, I'm going to lose my mind. It's going to be so important. I think other words beginning with L could come up first. <laughs> Claybon, one, two, three, four in the AFC North. Uh, Steelers, uh, Bengals. Ravens, and Browns. Interesting. Yeah, the Bengals are the more talented team, except I don't. I just don't buy 14 under center. I think the they Bengals like team. not being bought year after year. Do they? The Bengals like well, it? Well, I know they're watching this show. This is being telecast throughout the whole Well, their fans certainly show. feel that way. We're so disrespected. Hey, Bengals fans, you've never won a playoff game. <laughs> what, 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 Which doesn't How really, much respect am I supposed to give you? Which they get a really lot of respect. Anything. It's it, to me. Don't you think we like, t- we talk about them? Nobody wins one until they win one, I, right? And we talk about them as a talented. Make team. some hay, and when when the season gets real in the postseason, like, what and then, is, then what we'll does we'll nineteen ninety seven have to do with twenty sixteen? Uh, uh, or you could just go back and watch Vontez Perfect running off the field with uh, six of his teammates yeah. wagging the number one fi- fi- uh, finger. I, the, I mean, the most chaotic, beautiful playoff game in the last decade. Unless I'll you never listen, forget watching. Unless game. you listen to the team and to the broadcast team announcing it. In which case, it was the fall of America during that game. I mean, you've got a coach pulling someone's hair. You've it was got the another coach bouncing around the field. It was fantastic. Weirdest game I've ever seen in my life, including <laughs> the team running off the field. I mean, in the middle of the game, Vontez Burfitt got up and ran off the field, and his teammates followed him, and they went into the runway. I can't. I still can't believe that there wasn't a. That's not delay a game. You're not. You're not. You don't no. get flagged for that. No. I mean, rule changes are coming out of that game. You had everything that you needed coming from that. It was just a beautiful hodgepodge. Uh, it keeps me warm at night when I when I get down <laughs> in the dumps. I just I go on my cell phone and I pull up Vontez Perfect ru- running off the field waving that number one finger. Oh, and it makes me laugh. You are odd. Thanks, Bengals. Anyway, uh, we mentioned it earlier. Derek Fisher is contemplating a comeback. I think it'll be merely an attempt. I can't imagine any team would carry him as a player at this point. But inspired by this, which NFL head coach could play right now? Mark Sessler. My close second was Mike Tomlin. But being around these coaches at the owners' meetings and other events, you realize that a lot of these dudes are much bigger than you thought. Oh, yeah. And – I, I like to look at energy level mixed with youth, mixed with physical uh, frame, <laughs> Gus Bradley. I mean, he looks relatively – he's as tall as players. I, you know, he's, he's still relatively young. I could put him out there to, as, a, as a, like a run stuffer. Tomlin would have to thrive on special teams. His pedigree, William and Mary, eh, you know. He's a tough guy. Where's uh, Pete Carroll? So Gus well, you Bradley, want to go energy level? Pete Carroll could go out there. But yeah, who learned at uh, Pete Carroll's knee? Gus yeah. Bradley. I like that. Yeah, if if only we we still had Dan Campbell. Um, mm. Yeah, that that. that, that makes, I mean, be, he is be, essentially would, yeah, was a I player mean, coach to begin what, with. What about McAdoo? Uh, how do you guys feel McAdoo would perform uh, coming off the edge? 
I, I think he should keep that helmet either on the whole time or off the whole time. I don't know about coming off the I, that edge. hair might that might not work. I'd just, I'd have him I'd hide him away as like a placeholder or something. You know. Well, I'll tell you. You know who would be the best, except that he got punted to college football, is Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh yeah. would be a – hey, if Matt Hasselbeck can go out there, how old's Harbaugh? Can't be much older. What is he, 48? 40, yeah. I would say along those lines, if you look at Jason Garrett in person, Jason Garrett is still an excellent fit. If Jason you needed like, a late-season trash game start where he's just handing the ball off and he's throwing you know, screen passes, Jason Garrett could do that in a minute. But the correct answer, I feel, is Andy Reid. Andy Reid. I mean, if, if you're watching us. nose tackle? If you're watching us at, on NFL.com slash podcasts, uh, we appreciate that. And Andy Reid, well, as a nose tackle, sure, you can make those easy jokes. I certainly like to make those easy jokes. But let's not forget, punt, pass, kick, this, champion. This throw is my favorite. Andy yeah. Reid. If you've never seen this before, make sure you do go to NFL.com um, slash podcast and watch DDFP here. Andy Reid out there is, you know, people say like, oh, he's twice the size. No, he's not twice the size. He's five times the size of the other children out there. What kind of life did Andy Reid have as a, as an adolescent? I mean, he came out of like the womb of HGH. I don't was know he what the was... greatest football player in the history of California he... coming up? He must have been, he would be untackleable. He had to be. The best part of that video we couldn't see is the, is the lower third where it says Andy Reid fourth grade. And he's he's towering <laughs> over he's towering over all these kids. <laughs> I mean, here it is again. From LA. I mean, he literally yeah. he must outweigh the kid behind him by five times. Yeah. If you're the if you're a parent in the stands of one of the other children, you are investigating this entire event because that's clearly just an adult out there. Look at that. If and JJ Watt can catch a touchdown pass, you could throw Andy Reid in at nose tackle and let him go under center on the other side. He's savvy, if nothing else, and he can throw it a little bit. I mean, you aren't concerned that he's thirty five years older and in, in dire shape compared to that that point. I mean it's a red flag, yes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jive you on that, but uh all things considered, yeah. It's not, it, it, the thing was it wasn't even a spiral because I think his monstrous hands couldn't get the ball properly. <laughs> so he, just had to, he had to force the thing through the air like a loaf of bread. It's like you and me trying to throw a golf ball or Shaq <laughs> trying to shoot free throws. The ball's not big enough for me, you see. Um Whoa. Oh, yeah. Once again here, guys, time for our surprise random Snappy new show. visuals for the video yeah, consumer. Yeah. I nice. like it. Fancy now. Fancy. So you guys know how the game works. We come up with a topic. You guys each go around giving your answers. If you get it wrong, you're out. Last person to get the right answer wins. I like I like Bartlett that your standard is, well, the people who are playing the game know how it works, so we don't have to explain it to anyone listening. <laughs> hey, if anybody has any questions, it's there to help you. All right. Yes. Okay. So go ahead. Yes, we're going. You're going to give us a list-based question. We will go one by one through that list until until only one of us remains standing. Well, that wasn't a good explanation either. I right, just asked the question. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. All right, guys. So this weekend, Hall of Fame festivities taking place. Brett Favre, one of the guys going in. Packers. So, oh, you're out. What do we think about him uh, going in? <laughs> There's something in the locker in his uh, that invokes uh, or that uh, shows visually the uh, the Vikings. Cool with that in yeah. Brett Favre's bio? I think once you achieve the rank of Brett Favre, you can do whatever you want to do. If he's cool with it. Grew. I mean, I 2009, one of his best seasons. Yeah, true. All right, go ahead. All right, so Ken Brown got real random on this one. So Brett Favre, if you remember, when the Packers won Super Bowl 31. 
He threw for two touchdowns. He also ran for one. So going off rushing touchdowns in Super Bowls. Wait, hold on a second. Brett Favre threw two touchdowns and rushed for one in the victory over. Your assertion is that that he ra- he threw two and ran for another against the Patriots. I don't think that's true. Because Des Howard had one return for a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they scored like Andre Risen caught one. I remember that. I don't think Brett Favre accounted for three touchdowns. Wasn't it 27? What was the score to that game? Anyway, all right, continue. No, it was like going. 30 something to 35 21. Yeah. So there's the touchdown in there. It's possible. Okay. It is mathematically possible, at least. All right, go ahead. <laughs> all right, that well, game. no matter how you interpret the box score or the scoring, he did have one rushing touchdown. Yes. So. Don't sass me like that. I don't need. I don't need that. But all right, go ahead. Clavon agreed. He felt attacked. <laughs> so yeah, it's been confirmed. By the way, threw for two, <laughs> ran for one. Bartlett was right. How many times can we bring it up? All right, let's go. Let's move on. All right. Let's not live life in the rearview mirror. Other than other than far forty other players on winning teams in Super Bowls have rushed for touchdowns. Boy, that's a weird way to get into that question. You could have just asked it that without all the setup about the Hall of Fame game and Brett Favre. What does that have to do with anything? Segue, right. make it topical. All right, fine. All right, so. Bartlett under fire. Let's start with He's just Claybon. just because I was right. Let's start with Claybon. Uh, John Elway. That's a Interesting weird first. first one to go with, got, but all right. Got my strategies. I'll go uh, Timmy Smith. If I don't win this in a landslide, I would be shocked. No offense to you guys. None well, that, I, that sounds like a shot, but – Well, no, I just feel <laughs> like I can dip further back into the history oh, yeah, of, course. of the Super Bowl. I'm bad at trivia and have been working overnight, so I'm, I'm struggling. Yawn, Franco Harris. <laughs> Maybe I'll just take all the easy ones first, and then I'll wow you with my obscure hmm. ones. Uh, William Perry. Uh, Joe Morris. Oh, by the way, these are rushing touchdowns. Good. I got to start scratching some off. I wrote down Butch Johnson. I'm just naming people who have scored touchdowns, and of course that wouldn't be right. Bam Morris. Terrell Davis. I will go Roger Craig. Um, He ran one in, huh? Roger Craig? Don't try to turn this around. All right, I'm just trying to think of uh, what would be the most fun here to do. Delay a game. No delay a game anything. <laughs> There's no delay a game. It's never been a thing. Creeps. I'm going to start taking some chances since Dave is. I am too. Are you really? Yeah, because you're writing down an extensive list over there. Did somebody say Terrell Davis? Yes. Oh, they did say Terrell Davis. All right, I'll go Sammy Winder. You were worried there, Claybon. No, it was the, the pause, it, uh, it was palpable. Um, here, here's, here's one to worry about. Willie Parker. Is it? Yep. I'm going to go with my favorite player of all time, Ernest Biner. Oh. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, I thought he did with that Redskins, that Redskins team. That no, I'll go, I'll go with the guy who I know did from, the, from uh, that, well, not that era, but Joe Gibbs, of course, his greatest stuff. He didn't score. John Riggins. Marshawn Lynch. I'm out, correct? Yeah, you were out. I just want to hear Dave's 
because Dave's going to start busting out the fan. You said Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, now that I'm going easy, he's, he's going to bust out Nobody the fan. Nobody said Fridge Perry yet, did there they? There we go. No, you I did. did. You did? Oh, you did say Fridge Perry. Second, it was the second name I said. I'm sorry. See, I'm I, I'm <laughs> in my own head. Tony Dorsey. Jamal Anderson. Ooh, good one. Ooh, you came back quick with oh. that. I don't appreciate that. Oh, oh, oh Jamal Anderson. Did we not go Marcus ah. Allen? In they did not win a Super Bowl. Atlanta did. Oh, some of the ah. Jamal Anderson. I, I was so just thinking of I was just thinking of scoring again. Shaq can clinch it here. Um, who'd you just go with there, Claybon? Jamal Anderson. I think we got the we already got Elway and he's got a block on your end. So we've got that Super Bowl covered. Ahmad Bradshaw. Ahmad Bradshaw, Kent. Yep. And Joe Morris, Otis Anderson. And we've got our winner, Thurman Thomas, Dominic Rhodes. Yep. Shaq's back on top. Was Dominic Rhodes correct? Yes, he's on there. Did Jerry Rice score one? That doesn't sound right. Did Rice have a rush? I don't remember him taking it. No, Jerry Rice didn't anywhere. score rush. By the way, don't miss the NFL Network show where Damashek and MJD go through every single Super Bowl in detail. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that'd be some show, Maurice. <laughs> Maurice remembers two Super Bowls ago, maybe. Well, That's actually yeah. the name of the show, too. Is Shaq and MJD go through every Super Bowl in detail? In excruciating, tedious detail. Um, I I came pretty close. I if I sat here for another few minutes, but I guess that wouldn't be all that interesting. But then again, we just went through the last seven minutes. Yeah. But, but there was. I love it. I don't emotion. care. I think it's. I think. Why not keep going? I love doing it. Well, now I'm. I. I it's. It's rude to you guys. Let's instead talk. It's like watching someone play a video game. You know, it's all right. Well, listen, if you guys want to raise the level of competition, then it becomes even Oh, no, we're blaming us. It's yeah. not your no, fault. It's our fault for being bad. Did somebody say Marcus Allen, by the way? Mark did after. The, I did. Yeah, I, after I the thought fact. the game was over, but I'm, you didn't hear that. So, <laughs> Davis heard six things that we've said. How about Jim McMahon? <laughs> yep. How about Ben Roethlisberger? Yep. I'm getting pretty close to rounding this list out, yeah, the, right? The trophy celebration is going on in the locker room. Dave's on the court <laughs> shooting free throws. Wait, wait, wait. I know I know we won, but I want to just – Um. Okay, let's talk about fruit. And speaking of winning, the consumer of fruit in the last three years, I have hailed these as glorious times in which we live, not just because someone, some genius decided to put – some sea salt into chocolate and change that game forever. And that's that's one of the great advents that we have gotten to live in and benefit from. But the be, the the advances in fruit have been off the charts in my book. But 2016, I don't mind telling you, as the Shecky Awards, we're now past the halfway part. At the end of, you know, roundabout, Maybe about 20 seconds before the ball drops in uh, in Times Square, the Shecky Awards are announced on the final DDFP each year. And the granddaddy of them all is the fruit of the year, who gets the Shecky for the best fruit. And it's been a great competition, stiff competition, delicious competition. But so far in August now, the fruit is not turned around very well. I wanted to show you guys my <laughs> risers and fallers at this point on the calendar, and I don't mind telling you, I'm a little concerned about things. Yeah, I've had some good watermelon this year, but I've had a bad slice or two, and yet in what's been a poor field, 
Red grapes, delicious, snappy, very good. And strawberries have had a keen 2016. A lot of feedback from the Czech Republic on all manner of cherries. Bing, Rainier, (laughs) and beyond. I've got to dig in there. My followers, the White Peach, who has won multiple titles in just the last few years here. The White Peach, I had a dreadful one not two nights ago. (laughs) And the Honeycrisp Apple, also poor so far this year. Now, the Apple makes its push late in the year. Anybody knows that. Any fool knows that. And, of course, the pomegranate is forever the worst of all fruits. Right. Who does, the, who does the pomegranate think it is? Well, it seems complex. Is it you open it up and there's a bunch of things in there? Hey, crack me, but you can't just do it with your hands. You need a knife to crack into my into my uh, my coarse flesh. But once you get in there, then you have to pick us out and yeah. stains your clothes. And it's, for what? Yeah. For the chalky feeling on your it, teeth? It's, no, thank it's you. very labor-intensive, but... No, it's overly complex. It, it reminds me of the... Uh, of the really intensely seeded watermelon sometimes where you ha- you can't quite get the cut that you want because you have to remove seeds constantly, but doubly so. Wait, it doesn't even taste good, though. When you get to it, that's that all the work for that, you know? I do wonder where you're getting your Honeycrisps so that you have them fall so, so viciously. Well, I mean, listen, there's still time. That's, that's you know, that that's like declaring a team that is uh, 6-0 and is – guaranteed to win the Super Bowl. Right. No, I'm not saying that. There's time yet to, to see what happens. When you batted, when you uh, bite into a bad, I think a white peach you said not two nights ago that you had one, do you stick with it or is it this is going right into the I'm deep sixing this right into the No, no, no. No, I, I'm not. I, I'm tough but fair, Sessler. I think you know that about You'd me. cut around it or you what? You continue to bite into it? Oh, I thought you were saying do I just reject no, that the per- white peaches? That no, that particular fruit. piece of hand fruit will you keep going with it or do you say I've got, you know, there are other things to eat? I'm not a martyr. I eat for pleasure. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> crummy white One peach. Bite. Shame on you, white peach, for doing that to my mouth. Uh, for attacking my taste buds in that manner. Yes, we have some questions from the Czech Republic where fruit uh, is concerned. Two friends said their fruit of the year, cherry tomatoes and bananas. Should I stop being friends with them? Asks uh, Ross T. And my answer is yes. Well, Next what's question. With, yeah, I mean, cherry tomato. Cherry it's fruit. cute to call it a fruit, but I understand the tomato fruit thing, but we're over that, aren't we? I, I mean, yeah, that's somebody who's trying to be interesting and, you know. You know Look I, at me. That's exactly <laughs> what. And you the guys bana- read a lot into that. Banana. <laughs> Come on, banana. Bananas Banana are- has a has an unsatisfying uh, texture to it. I can never get by that. If if you get it at the right time, you can get a snappy banana. No, I don't <laughs> want that, and no, thank you. Although I will take a banana. A lot of controversy around the that. one asterisk I do give the banana in its favor is if you if you mush it up in a smoothie. It's well, it's one a of the great. Right. It's a glue items. food. You need right. it to give some consistency to a smoothie on its own. More than one banana at a time is an insane thing to do. Uh, I would never do that. Claybon, it's weird to me that it's funny. Sessler sits down and immediately understands the the fruit game. Apparently, you don't though. You 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 you, you seem to be taking a cynical posture. What? what <laughs> how am I being cynical? Well, you know what? You're cynical about us being cynical, and you know what? I don't think that I I think if fruit wants to be the best it can be, it needs people to critique it 
now and again. Yeah, fruit. Who's who's hailed fruit more than Damashek over these Nobody. last three or four? Nobody. Years? You've Nobody. done tremendous. Who's done more for, for fruit than Damashek? Nobody. Thank you. You are you are on top of the fruit world, and I am not above cr- criticizing. Would I look? Could I look at myself in the mirror though if I went out there and talked about 2016 as having a banner fruit year? No, I could. Well, one, I can't imagine a world where you don't look at yourself in the mirror. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, you're an analyst first. You've got to be, you know, where are these rankings coming from, if not from you? I approach the world with a critical mind. Yeah, the game of football matters, but the game of life matters even more. We have another question or comment from the Czech Republic. Oh, one of our favorites, uh, Los Real Ali, one of the great Photoshoppers in uh, all the land, always here to help us out with that. What's the best fruit combo to eat together? Minimum three. I know it's not the grocery store cantaloupe, watermelon, honeydew combo. Great question. Ooh. I'm going to go to you, Claybon. Um, I, I think if you get the right pineapple and apple and grape combo, because you, you've got sweetness, you've got deep sweetness there, and you've got two different kinds of tartness that can all work together to, to create the symphony of flavor. It's interesting that you're going to the two, like you like the the – uh, acidity of some fruit in right. there, yeah. Uh, I'll point to what I get at the huddle because they offer a wide variety of fruit in the morning, and you got to have a grape. You also, I'm eating it in a, in sort of a cup with a fork, so I go grape. I'm, so- I'm sorry, Sessler just gets it. I'm sorry, Claybon. Well, Sessler it, just plain gets it. Well, I think you included a, a grape in yours. I, I did. I mean, a, gra- mad a grape, a berry <laughs> that kind of combines those tastes, and maybe even a strawberry along with a like a blueberry there or a blackberry. Boy, I- I'll tell you what, no disrespect <laughs> to Jeremiah or Claybon, but Sessler gets the gold star of the show. I mean, that's, he just understands what uh, – I'll tell you what, a red grape, a strawberry, and a watermelon. Ooh. You going to beat that? Crisp I- watermelon, yeah. Yeah, I could see replacing the watermelon with a blueberry too. But you know what? Strong, strong. I don't want the acidity. When you drop an orange in there with like a with a strawberry, they're both ruined. You've now you you want you know how you want your point guard to make everybody on the on the court better. The orange, if you put it in there with the sweets, it's going to just drag down everything. You don't want that that uh, the the pleasure is its sweetness. <laughs> orange is going to just acid it up. Get a clue, Claybon. Oh, now let's talk about this. Orange. This turned ugly. The last time we were in, the last time Claybon was in, we talked about another important issue and uh, another uh, Shecky Award category is best alphabet letter. And the letter Q, I make no secret about my admiration for it. It's aspirational. It started out down there with the other nerds in the alphabet kingdom, X, Y, and Z. It's a freak letter. And yet... Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention, Q has crept all the way up in between P and R. It has no big Q. It's a fringy, weirdo letter, but it's aspirational. It's the George Jefferson of alphabet letters. It keeps moving on up. So I like it, but there are other letters out there that deserve our scorn. Like W, why is W, It is. it's double U, and yet it's two Vs slammed up against each other. It doesn't even know what it is. Cecil. Yeah, that is very peculiar. And I don't know at this point, do we blame uh, typesetters dating way back to the way that copy was created or typewriter people? But why would it not just be two curvy Us put together if that's what you say? Why not be double V? Well, I mean, that's the question. and that I don't have an answer to that. It's kind of like a chicken or the egg. And I think you got to put the onus on, I think, any letter – 
rightly should take a look in the mirror and say, this is on me. I can't pass the buck to whoever is there a made of, early edition typewriters. Do I can't put individual letters have like foundations or lobby groups that can say we've got to correct. I mean, this was done ancient years ago, many years ago. Yeah, this, this precedes double, which is something that just came to me. W came millennia, probably. Mm-hmm. At least one mm-hmm. before well, the, I mean, it's, the word double. And so it's gotten a free pass for way too long in my oh mind. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, we have to revisit this. We we got to contact the senator or something. Well, the other one is and that's what you and I talked about Claybon and I know it hits home to you with your surname it, it, starting with the letter C, but the letter C, I don't know what to make of them. I, I you know the the Negative Nelly in me looks at it as it could be a letter we don't even need. I mean, we don't need you to make the k sound. K nope. does that just fine. S gives us the sound. So what are you really contributing here? C on your own? Nothing. Yeah, we need you for ch, for cheese and checkers and such. But maybe that should be the only way you're allowed to be pronounced going forward. Well, yeah, and we've mentioned once before, but how about it not a letter C-H as an individual letter? Because that, you know, would help. That's involved in so many words. You know, my, my son's name is, is Colton, and it starts with a C, but I would be open to it being K-O-L-T-O-N because that feels kind of Russian and kind of bad. Yeah, I like that. So, you know, I'd be open to the change because it just makes sense. Colton Wong, the second baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, goes K with his. Colton Wong. It feels like a little. there's a little element of the unknown, mysterious, sort of dangerous, who is this person. I like it. An exotic thing, yes. even, if you will. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, more but, intimidating. But see, you're saying exotic. That, that gives credence to the idea that C is foundational. C is something that we need. And I know you've made the phonetic argument about hmm. S-E-E. Right. What, That's how you spell the letter C. What dignity is it, does any alphabet letter have if it's not even spelled with itself? But <laughs> if, you start it, if you start it with a C, if you make it C-E-E, are you saying that's key? I mean, you know what? Uh, and uh, Claybon just wants to be a contrarian today, <laughs> spelled with a K, and, and, and that's the end of it. Um, all right, last thing before we get out of here is black tie. It's time for the second annual film festival. With the Olympics here, you have a fun uh, little twist on the on this year's edition of it. Black tie, of course, if you aren't familiar, likes to consider himself a cinephile, well, but familiar. has seen now 13 movies in his life. Well, just to clarify, you say that. I've never said that about myself before. <laughs> and He's never se- he doesn't see Tom Cruise movies, Tarantino movies, Sports movies or space movies? No, that's not, that's incorrect. Where do you get the space movies from? So <laughs> well, the rest of the list is damning. <laughs> no, it's not. Tarantino, unnecessary violence. Um, I don't like that as a as a trick. It's a it's a weak. It's a. What was the knock on Tom Cruise but it's, again? Tom, uh, just not a big fan. No, no, you. Had but something if you don't watch any of the movies, him. though, how do? You well, no, I know his stuff. It's kind of like the same way. It's <laughs> the same way. Again, I did watch Pulp Fiction last year as part of this same event, and it was like, yeah, I know Tarantino's like little signature moves. I mean, well, you Black- called it a trick. I, I will pass that along to him. <laughs> Black Ties has deduced what Tarantino's up to, and he is not a pawn in Tarantino's game. <laughs> no, sir, not at all. All right, go ahead. All right, but uh, this is started off. So it's the Olympics, so I just figured, how about I put my whole beef with sports movies aside, and with the Olympics here, how about we come up with a field Very of, big of, you. of eight sports movies. We get the people to vote, 
and then I watched the top three because last time we did it doing March Madness, and I, it was a bracket of 16, and I watched the final four. Okay, now, I, I'll say this. Hoosiers has to be at least well, before a, we get a, a cannon. Before we get into that, for people <laughs> think think I'm crazy, it's like I have seen some sport movies, right? I have seen some. I've seen Mighty Ducks, which I loved. I wanted to play hockey for a long time. I've seen Cool Runnings. Remember the Titans? <laughs> I like that movie. Hoop Dreams. Space Jam, of course. Oh, Hoop Dreams is the great is one of the five or ten greatest movies right. of all yeah. time. I would he say. got game. Coach Carter, which is a classic. In he high got school. games a little overrated. In my um, high school classic back in the day. Hoosiers. And Longest Yard, the remake though, not the original. Oh, oh please, of course. <laughs> you saw the that's, remake, but you didn't see the original. That's such a TD thing. Though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who are you? Did Claybon? Did I just hear you say Hoosiers is overrated? Yes. Why? Well, overrated. Yeah. How? Give me, give me a, a some math on why that would be. Well, if, if you contrast it with the actual story, which to me is more compelling, and and this in the way that the Jimmy Chitwood. It has uh, racist underpinnings, does it not? The actual story. Well, I mean, yeah. Some people say a, that it, for sure. It's America, so, <laughs> so yeah. they, they scrub that. You out mean to them. tell me an all-white high school beating an all-black school in the in the fifties had racial undertones? Well, what I'm saying is that this idea. That, <laughs> no, I agree with you. It is crazy that they turned it into a fairy that, tale for yeah, the white yeah, man. It's like, oh, <laughs> they beat the black men and they have magic black powers. <laughs> that it, really is it's, what they it's, did. It's, it's, right. it's really hard for me to watch the movie and say, like, wait a second, what the hell I, is this? It is an interesting point. You might have a solid point. What about The Natural? Yeah, have you seen The Natural, Black Tie? That's one of my favorites. I have not heard of The Natural. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) As a movie title? No, I've not heard of it. You've never heard of the Robert Redford Probably come across it, but I've not heard of it. You're the movie critic in this operation. (laughs) Movies in today's world. I'm going to see Suicide Squad today. That has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, except that it's a movie. It's a big... Really interested in seeing Suicide Squad, and that has slowly morphed. No one cares about what your what your activities upcoming are. We're talking about the natural with Robert Redford. It's a, it's a big part of TD's conversations with just people to say that he hasn't seen something. <laughs> yeah. The and natural I, I must be it. added. I don't shy away from it. Again, I keep trying to tell people I grew up in a different country, a completely different continent. We had we had other things going on, man. I was out there playing sports, man, doing stuff. I had elder sisters. That's it. Of, that's the card he sh- likes to play too. A lot of well, we can't. He loves to play the card. Like I'm, I, I know all about movies and TV and everything. But hey, I was outside playing. Excuse me. Back, back in the day, man. <laughs> I we just, can't argue you. You're giving us a lot of building blocks. You're just. I understand what you're doing. Sound of Music Savvy. was what was going on in the house. So too was Mary Poppins and King and I and Seven Brides and Seven. Well, why don't you movie critic uh, stage shows then? Why are you even in this world of the sports movies? He's trying to become a better man. I'm I'm trying to appease the people, so to speak. You know, I'll I'll play ball. The people, if they want one thing, they want to know Black Tie's opinions on on classic movies. I I won't stop the people. Hey, Claybon, Hoosiers, here's the tepid defense I'll give it, but up against uh, actual history, it's (laughs) hard to do. But Hackman's you know, Hackman's great as a Bob Knight esque kind of figure, and uh, the thing I like best about it is um, that not only I mean it's the oldest knock you can make against most Hollywood attempts to represent sports is that the people acting out the things clearly aren't good at sports. Cast people that can actually play sports or get body doubles or whatever. Hoosiers. Uh, not only has these kids that actually clearly can play basketball, but they're period specific in how they play. Like they do the 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 two handed set shot, the flat footed set shot. They look like they're playing basketball in 1955. It's amazing. So I I, I, I 
love the movie if you can remove the historic yeah, no, and inaccuracy. No, I would. I, I, the the actual story is something I would have appreciated if it was depicted on film, but that wasn't. They didn't go that route. <laughs> they, they didn't take that route. I don't think the seventh grade me recognized all of these layers when I was watching. I enjoyed it then, but the, the me of today understands uh, where you're coming from. All right, so I say Hoosiers and the natural. Slapshot's great, but I don't think you'll like it. But it's a, it's a that's one of the great sports movies. I have time. an eight-movie field here. If I all right, go ahead. Lay it on us. Jerry Maguire, does, does that count as a sports movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom Cruise. So. See, that's Killing Two Birds in One. It's a great song. script. Okay. Sports movie, sure. Tom Cruise, knock it out. So here's a tricky one. Rocky. I have seen Rocky. I just don't have any actual recollection of it as. as Add it to the list. Certainly. So yeah. it's on a list, right? Sure. Have you seen two or three? I can go back and watch the original trilogy and right. even throw in four. Go ahead. Um, Hoosiers, it's on my list. Kay. Rudy is on the list. A League of Their Own. People don't like Rudy. It's a, I think it's a, a nice movie. I don't I, like I that like they it. embellish the yeah. reality yeah. of that. And this is not the final. You know list. the Jersey thing didn't happen when the when the yeah. team goes in there and says, "Here, replace me with Rudy this weekend." That never happened. Yeah. And that that's and that's like another spoiler alert. Hashtag Hollywood. <laughs> this guy. Um, a League of Their Own. Friday Night Lights. Well, you know the difference in the novel, the natural, and the movie, right? Have you ever read? I actually have not read the novel. No, me neither. Oh, I think you'd be in for quite a surprise if you refer to <laughs> read Malibu. That, Mark. There you go ahead. Two more movies, Any Given Sunday and Caddyshack. And that's my f- initial field of eight. We can vote on this. People can send us you know, suggestions, and then we'll settle on that eight. Dump Any Given Sunday. I think that movie's gone. I actually have been a long defender of that movie, but I, re- I watched it recently and do not feel the way about it I did in year 2000 when it came out. But I was quite into Oliver Stone, and I thought that the way he – the editing, the cutting, the madness of the whole thing – was fascinating, but it doesn't quite hold up the way I would have wanted it to. And well, and it also I liked it a ton then, though. I really, I never. I I, I meet a ton of football fans. Like, what are you talking about? The so only I, thing, I the only thing I liked about that was uh, was the Sharks, the Miami Sharks, and the uniforms were good for a fictional football team. I like Pacino in it. Yeah. W- Willie Beeman is is a is kind of a required football character at least. Mm. Like maybe TD should like read his fictional Wikipedia. Or something, even if he doesn't watch the movie. Um, but w- when I'm when I'm thinking about sports movies and the thought of Caddyshack, the thought of somebody not really seeing Caddyshack is mm. is sad to me. Like I, I need TD <laughs> to have seen Caddyshack, and since it's at the bottom, I'm worried that he won't see it. One of my favorite things about Caddyshack, or one of the more curious things in hindsight, just so just so people know, it's again, it's all based on votes. I'm going right. to watch the top three. Se- the, the same thing happens in Stripes to a lesser extent, and a lot of movies, a lot of comedies in around about that era. For some reason, the producers of these movies always felt obliged to include weird nudity and sex <laughs> scenes in them. You're why I mean, imagine that in in 2016, if there was just randomly like a sex scene in the middle of. Uh, the Hangover, something like that, or well, old school. It's weird. Well, they do have the weird nudity in in those movies that still kind of, that it's still the same kind of nudity. I know, but there's like, there's a, there there's one or two full on sex scenes in Caddyshack. <laughs> I was certainly a product of that time. I'm sure that's not the only f- must see film that TDs missed. I would I would wager. I'd like you to replace uh, any given Sunday with uh, with Slapshot. 
Again, this is not this. This is just the initial eight I came. Okay. Up with. So we can we can <laughs> finalize and then move forward. And then to Pat's Pat again saying that it's sad that someone isn't seeing Caddyshack, but that's just the sensibilities of an American who grew up here. I am American. I did not grow up here though. Take it offline. No, uh, Emma VP. <laughs> Emma VP behind the glass. First of all, happy birthday to you, belatedly. She said thank you. Oh, okay. And uh, secondly, remember two days ago I said. We've got to get the podcast consistently coming in at 45 minutes because people tune out after 45. And uh, how far into the show are we right now? We are, according to Ryan B. and Emma, we are at six, 73 minutes in. Oh, Well, yeah. we're close, so I missed yeah, the mark. We're right around the corner. All right, it's time. Claybon and Sessler have actual stuff to do, so we'll cut it off here then. <laughs> um, and we appreciate them both joining us. Congratulations, Mark Sessler, again, on the connection with Little Debbie we look forward to seeing what she produces now that you are her muse and even more now. I would wager we'll have zero effect. <laughs> I'm going to go with the zero effect. Not once you start collaborating on lyrics and such. That would change things. And Claybon, we look forward to seeing you again at the desk there on NFL Network, updating us on this, that, and the other. Of course, Around the NFL does that for you seven days a week in print and in podcast, the twice-weekly, thrice-weekly podcast, I should say, available on iTunes. Check that one out. Keep on playing the music all you want, and it's about to end, and I keep on talking because Dave finishes the show when it's time for it to be over with, not when you cue me with music. That's a monkey who you make dance. Now listen. <laughs> Claybon. Pa- at Patrick Claybon is how you track him down. At Mark Sessler. NFL, because he's fancy. All right, I'm going to let you have your music. I'm going to let you have your victory here. Ryan Bartlett, I won the game. I named the running touchdowns Super Bowl. All right, it almost worked. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 